Welcome to Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World. I'm Richard Dugan, your host, and I thank you so much for being with us here on the program today, whether you are listening to the radio broadcast uh, on terrestrial radio or the stream at richarddugan.com, or you are listening to the podcasts on SoundCloud, iTunes, TuneIn Radio, Spotify, Stitcher, Player FM, Blueberry, iHeartRadio, and Amazon Music, or you are watching the uh, YouTube video at YouTube and the Tell Me Your Story channel. I am so happy that you have decided to join us for this program. Program. Uh, as I say with most every single program, this is going to be an interesting one. Uh, it's something that I've thought about, I've often wondered about, and I will pose some very interesting, I hope very interesting questions to our guest, who is joining us all the way from Australia. Uh, as we like to stay in the in the states uh, because we we love to mimic Monty Python, Australia, 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 Sydney in particular, and our very special guest who uh, has joined us all the way from Sydney, and her name is uh, Carmel uh, Nyland. Correct? Say that one more time for me. That's Carmel Nyland. That's correct. Yes, Carmel Nyland. And I'm glad that you have joined us. And uh, we, I'm going to share with our listeners that we are actually speaking at uh, 11 p.m. Pacific time uh, so that you are uh, up in, is it morning or afternoon where you are right now? It's uh, 5 o'clock in the afternoon. Oh, my gosh. Your Sunday is almost gone. Yes, it has. And Good. it's beautiful spring weather. Okay, so I know that I will have great weather here when I get to Sunday. Is that right? <laughs> yeah, I hope so. I mean, you you guys get the you guys get the uh, the, the the previews, and and we got to check with you. Uh, I still remember in Y two K, a woman came racing into the gas station. I I usually get, would get gas on Friday afternoons. It just so happened that January first was Friday afternoon, or December thirty first, I should say, and she was freaking out, saying, "Oh, I got to get some gas before the place blows up, or this or that or there." I said, "You need to calm down. I'm working for a radio station, and we have been monitoring as the time has changed across the international dateline. It's okay. Nothing's happening." Calm down. So uh, she she calmed down. And like I said, we come to you for the preview of the coming day. And it looks good. We're also coming to you for a preview of uh, what we can look forward to when it comes to uh, not just our physical, mental, and emotional well-being, but even our spiritual well-being. Now, I have thought about this for years, Carmel. And... I've often said, okay, when a baby is born, the parents and the relatives look at the baby and then they look at the relatives and they, well, my goodness, you have, uh, you have, uh, Aunt Jane's eyes and you have your father's nose and, and your sister, you know, your sister's mouth or they, they start attributing physical attributes, uh, to the baby that are similar to those of other people. Yeah. Now, as the child grows, uh, their behavior, they start to attribute that to different relatives. Oh, you've got your, your Aunt Martha's temper, or you've got your, your uh, Uncle Bill's laugh, or those types of things, right? And then as they grow up and they go to school, we look at the intellect as mm -hmm. they begin to become educated. 
and they go down a particular path. Oh, well, uh, Aunt Frida, she, she was very interested in blah, 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 and so forth and so on. And I thought, well, well, no, wait a minute. Why does it stop there? Why isn't it that maybe we somehow also take on the, the characteristic, spiritual characteristics of our ancestors? And that is why you, my dear, have written uh, what I consider to be a very interesting book having to do with our spiritual DNA. And by the way, the website, ladies and gentlemen, is our spiritual DNA. Dot com dot au, and I will let you know right now, Carmel, that we will be linked to your website. So let's start usually at the beginning. Um, when did you become aware or became come, become interested in this aspect of uh, dionucleal acid <laughs> on a spiritual level? Hopefully I've pronounced that correctly. <laughs> I didn't know what I was becoming interested in, Richard. It's not like I had this plan. I stumbled upon it. I was uh, using a channel and I was asking a channel about a being I had met in the ether and whose name was St. Germain. And I wanted to know more about him. And the channel told me that St. Germain had a female aspect as well. He not only incarnated as females, but he had a female aspect. And that was Mary. And they often linked together, as in St. Joseph and Mary, whom I call Our Lady, right, and I thought this was very interesting. And I thought, well, if that covers two of them, what about everybody else that's in the world? How do they figure? And eventually he went through 12 masters who have a masculine and a feminine end of aspects and literally everyone in the world is one of those 12, they have the spiritual DNA of one of those 12. And from that, we get the remarkable difference between people. We get their physical DNA and then we get their spiritual DNA overlighting it. Mm -hmm. So the the bloke, that's an Australian word for a man, (laughs) I met first was a tremendous show-off. He was a dancer. He was, uh, he was a wit. He was a drama queen, if ever you met one. And I thought, this is good. This is good. And I asked him about the lives he had. And they were very interesting. He was a dancer. He was Nureyev. He was a drama queen in the sense that he was the man who wrote Shakespeare. Hmm. He was um, a great uh, president. Uh, For example, your two last, sorry, your two last presidents, but one have been aspects of St. Germain. So the current one, Joseph, 
is an aspect of Saint Germain, and Barack Obama was too. Tall, thin, um, witty, uh, and hopefully great leaders. So why don't I pause there and find out what kind of line you'd like to follow? Well, uh, first of all, I, I, I'm very interested in the 12 aspects, uh, mm-hmm. but it sounds to me like the majority of the information that you have regarding spiritual DNA uh, is information that you've researched, you've followed up on a lot of different uh, areas, but it sounds to me like much of this information you received through the ethers, correct? Channeled. Yes. Yeah. And uh, so was it primarily through St. Germain that you gleaned this information, or were there other, shall we call them entities, that came through and shared this information with you? You name them, I met them. George Washington, for example, mm-hmm. is an aspect of an energy line called Hilarion. Robert Louis Stevenson, who's an aspect of El Mariah. Um, I worked particularly with US presidents. So mm-hmm. I started with George Washington. Then I went on to John Adams, who was an aspect of Katumi. And then I went through literally all of the founding fathers. One of the most interesting ones was um, the uh, an aspect of Serapis Bay. He was the great um, Thomas Jefferson, and he loves the name Thomas. Mm. And one of the clues came to me that if you work in English and you find out someone's first name, you've got a pretty good idea as to who, what energy they're going to represent. So Thomas Jefferson, Serapis Bay, and he got his name um, because the 12 energies were also 12 apostles. They were 12 knights of the round table. Um, They... um, have female aspects as well as male aspects. But Jefferson is uh, the great intellectual and it doesn't matter what life he comes in, he is an inventor of things. For example, he was Einstein. Um, He, you name it, Mm -hmm. he invented it. Wow. Wow. Take your name. All right. Now, okay. do you need first, middle, and last? Let's have the lot. So, Richard have, first. All right. It's Richard. Middle yeah. name Les, L E S. Last name Dugan. And while you're doing that, let me just remind our listeners this is Tell Me Your Story. We are talking with Carmel Nyland, and she has written a book of fascinating uh, insight into your spiritual DNA here on Tell Me Your Story. This is what we're talking about today. I'm your host, Richard Dugan, and it's great to have our guest, Carmel Nyland, with us uh, to talk about our spiritual DNA. And uh, now I guess I'm going to get schooled here. <laughs> <laughs> in a matter of speaking, in a good way, in a good way, uh, in regards to my spirituality. And I'm, and I'm curious because I, I will tell you, uh, well, no, you know what? I'll tell you this later. Go ahead and uh, take, uh, take the name. Now, first of all, how are, you going, how are you going to be processing 
the my name, the three names that I've given you. Okay. I'll only be looking at your first name. Okay. Okay. Sometimes I go further than that, but the first name will do. Mm-hmm. In your case. And having looked at probably a thousand different aspects of St. Germain, I found that he loved certain names. And one of the names he really loves is Richard. So I would have uh, a very good bet in saying that you're an aspect of St. Germain. But that's further than that. Mm-hmm. St. Germain loves going into things in communication. He loves going into things where he can, with his great wit and charm, convince other people of particular lines. So I would say that you would be a typical St. Germain. Mm. Many of the characters, uh, and I also should say he's handsome. Ah, well, I'm glad. Good for him. (laughs) You know, I'm getting more and more used to looking in the mirror and saying, yeah, you, you, that's you. You know, there was a time when I'm going, who in the heck is that looking back at me? Uh, yeah. And it seems to me that uh, that would indicate more uh, that I hadn't sort of come into my own and recognized that that appearance is is just fine. It, it, it's working for you. Uh, I don't know. Maybe it was because of the beard. I, I always wanted – when I started growing the beard, I thought I want to grow it so I have that professorial look. You know, uh, some some kind of a scholar. I, uh, you know, uh, two thousand nine. I became a reverend, uh, and uh, uh, it was it was rather interesting. And then I was given not long after that, I was given the nickname Doctor D. Uh, so I took that on because I considered myself an audio physician because I do archival work. So uh, you know, lots of different things. And there was a period of time, uh, Carmel, uh, back in the late nineteen nineties into the two thousands. When I used to be known by a, uh, a Hindu name of Raja, R-A-J-A, which is Prince, uh, there was a story in the Paramahansa Yogananda book, uh, Autobiography of a, Yogan- uh, autobiography of a Yogi. Uh, it was the Tiger Swami story. And the, the, the Tiger Swami fought a very ferocious tiger by the name of, of Raja Begum, which is Prince Princess. Uh, and uh, it just appealed to me for that at that particular point in life. Uh, so okay. it was very, very interesting. Let's just take this a bit further, Richard, because sure. the first chapter of people that I look at mm-hmm. from St. Germain actually comes from India, and that would be Krishna. And Krishna was very interesting because Krishna wasn't one energy. He was a combination of two. So he joined with another being called Hilarion. And why? Because they needed not only St. Germain's razzmatazz and his ability to sing and dance, which is a Christmas aspect, but they also needed the wisdom that came through Hilarion, who was a brilliant conqueror. So, for he, for example, he was the first president of the United States, George Washington. But he was also um, uh, Alexander the Great. Mm. So these two combined in to make Krishna, and 
they were assisted by a fellow called Arjuna who wrote down everything Christian said. And he also was a, a dual aspect, one of whom was a female. The, mm-hmm. the aspect that I come from, which is from Mary, is called a high priestess, and she's very good at writing. And it doesn't matter whether you want someone to write a Bible or someone to write a gospel. So she was the line that wrote Luke, St. Luke. Mm. I, I find this interesting, and I'm curious as to how this plays into uh, the aspect, if you will, of reincarnation. Is there a connection? Definitely. Share because that with us. Richard, it doesn't matter which life you take on. Mm-hmm. Predominantly, being a Saint Germain, you will take on male lives, but you have the same spiritual DNA. You only change your physical DNA. That's all. Mm. And that's why if you've studied the histories of many nations, you see uh, people coming through who were very remarkably similar in the kinds of courage they may have had, the wit they may have had, the physical prowess they may have had. And you look at them and you say, look, he's really, the way he goes on, he really is like, like you know, like George Washington. He's taken on something. He's conquered. He's now the head of a nation, but he really doesn't want to be head. He's just interested in offering his almost spiritual aura to the country to take it in a particular stable direction. Yeah. Well, I have to say that, uh, you know, I've, I have, uh, first of all, never been asked to run for any office or any position. And if I were, I would never take it. I would never take that on simply because I wouldn't want that. I I don't want that level of responsibility. I would rather serve in the background. I would rather serve humanity in the in the way that I'm doing this. You know, I would much rather do this than you know be over here or over there and then be beholden to this group or that group or the other. It's like no, 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 no. You don't understand. This is not about one party over another, one group over another. We're all here together, you know. I mean, the good Lord, if, if the good Lord is, and I've said this so many times, it, it, it almost uh, doesn't require repeating, but since you've never heard it before, if the good Lord had intended for each one of us to live on our own planet, I know there are enough Class M planets in the universe for 8 billion people. But the re- mm-hmm. what's the reality? The reality is that we're all here. So let's all work together. Stop the tribalism. You know, it's great to, I mean, I love my Irish heritage. I'm beginning to love my Native American heritage, uh, my Italian heritage, um, my Hispanic heritage. I'm starting to embrace them more. I don't know if it's because I'm getting older. I had my DNA checked, my physical DNA. And I yes. found out that my Native American heritage is from South, Central, and North America. And that I'm 1% Eastern European Jew. Um, I used to say as a kid when I was in school, I'd tell people, oh, I'm Heinz 57. And then when my DNA was done, I found out that was pretty accurate because I'm from five of the seven continents. 
Australia and Antarctica are not two that I'm from. So uh, when you can't send your you can't send a a spiritual saliva test, if you will, to Ancestry.com or whatever company you want. Uh, what yeah. you can do. What can we, so? What can we do? <laughs> is we can look at your names, mm-hmm. and we can look at the kinds of qualities you have. What mm-hmm. kinds of things you like doing? What jobs you've had? Mm-hmm. We can build a profile of you, not unlike what a FBI could do. Ah. But the thing we would see is that that fitted a particular form of spiritual DNA and that would be repeated lifetime after lifetime. So you will always be a humorist. You will always be a communicator. You'll probably be a very good dancer. Mm. You'll probably be good looking. You'll probably be able to talk, as I say often about Saint Germain. He ta- he could he could be talking under a lake with a loaf of bread in his mouth. And you'd still be, the bubbles would be coming up and you'd still be hearing what he's talking about. <laughs> I like that. You're the kind of fellow who doesn't shut up. Right. And, and the messages he gets across are with great wit and wisdom. So St. Germain was Plato, right? St. Germain has written some of the best novels and he has written some of the most amazingly best plays as well. Now, before we go any further, uh, you're listening to Tell Me Your Story. We're talking with Carmel Nyland, all the way from Australia, and we're talking about her latest work, which is uh, Your Spiritual DNA, yourspiritualdna.com.au. We will be linked to that website as well. I'm Richard Dugan, your host. This is Tell Me Your Story, and I want to ask you, Carmel Nyland, our guest here on the program, uh, in regards to St. Germain, because he seems to be a a main focus on this program in in any event. Are you talking about how the essence of St. Germain has been these different – has become these different people, taken on these different bodies, i.e. reincarnated into those bodies? Or is it that, like Shakespeare or some of the other people you've mentioned who take on the aspects of St. Germain, uh, it, it's, it's, it's just in the DNA, it's passed on from generation to generation? No, it works like this. Okay. At the time when the parents are... Uh, contemplating having a child or not contemplating having a child. It's a surprise. Mm-hmm. Um, a kind of a conference is held and that conference has a person who's going to be the guide of the child and the qualities and the stamina that the child is going to have. And a selection is made as to who will inhabit the physical DNA that's coming in. Sometimes it goes horribly wrong. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's a bad match. 
and occasionally this this happens very occasionally that a person will go into a uh, go into hospital with a major illness and come out with what seems like a personality changed because there's been a sw- a switch but now, very very rarely does that happen now now are you talking about walk-ins yes okay yes. which and i remember a conversation i had with a guest that oh no that does not happen because you can't just give up and leave the body but at the same time maybe the contract that they signed as this is sort of the conversation we've had you sign a contract to have certain experiences well maybe mm-hmm. that person completed the contract or the renegotiated trunk. the contract or what have you and said i want out yes i think it happens fairly re- rarely because i think the planning is too good for that okay but you say it you- happens on occasion Happen on occasions, yes. Okay. And it happened, you know, when I was talking to you about uh, Krishna, for example. That Krishna, it's all very well to play a pipe and dance a lot and be absolutely gorgeous and have everybody falling in love with you. Mm-hmm. But honestly, you could conquer a place as well. So it might make sense to bring in Hilarion, who's a fantastic military person. And we're talking mainly about men here. Exactly the same thing happens in female energies as well. And they're all fit for purpose. Have you ever looked at the founding fathers and and the founding mothers of your nation and seen how clearly they were fit for the purpose they had to do? Mm -hmm. A great variety of people. Um, And their spouses were just as interesting. You know, I, I heard something very interesting just the other day uh, that I, I had already figured. I, I kind of agreed with it when they were stating this. Uh, but they were talking about Judas Iscariot and yes. how um, do you know this was this is the way the conversation went. The, the two people were talking. Did you know that if Judas Iscariot had not turned Jesus over to the authorities, he never would have been crucified? And the Christians would not have salvation as we know it today, you know. So he had a role. He had to play that role. He had to betray Jesus. And and I thought, well, gee, wait a minute. Now, so what you're saying is that there's a certain level of predestination here. Or Judas was set up to quote unquote fail or maybe putting it in a less judgmental perspective he carried out the role that he came here to fulfill. I've written a book on it. I've written a book on Judas. Talk and to called, us about Judas. So it's called Loving Judah or Judas. And it's dictated by Jesus, who was his best friend. And what they did, these two, is they were both absolutely fed up. Um, Judas was a man of exceptional intelligence. Jesus is everything that you you already know about him. Mm-hmm. And the apostles were driving them mad. Judas, uh, Jesus 
actually wanted to settle down and have a family because he'd met the love of his life, Mary Magdalene. Um, Judas was his best mate and he just wanted to help him. So they concocted together a kind of a plan where um, Judas would give Jesus away and Jesus would probably be put in jail for 48 hours by the Romans and that would be the end of it. Then Judas would get him out. But the plan got absolutely stuffed up and the next thing you know, I'm making this uh, superficial, but the next thing you know, he was um, on the cross and Judah, who had been begging mercy for him of any of the contacts he had, was not successful. And because he had technically agreed to betray him, he suffered then for 2,000 years this terrible stigma Mm -hmm. of going from best friend to the betrayer of the best friend. Yeah. In past life, Judas was none other than Julius Caesar. This is a very intelligent, you know, one of the great conquerors of the world Mm. and great wit as well. And I have to add an aspect of St. Germain. Carmel Nyland is my guest, and we are talking about uh, not only your spiritual DNA, we're also talking about a lot of other wonderful aspects of of, of uh, this uh, study and research, and uh, I'm excited that she's on our program today. This is Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World, and we are giving you choices and knowledge of those choices to help make your dreams come true. We are here on Sundays at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m., Monday mornings at 1 a.m., and 9 a.m. on Wednesdays for our special edition of Tell Me Your Story, where you can uh, basically listen live at those times at richarddugan.com. We have a link that takes you to this live stream at those times. We're on podcasts on SoundCloud, iTunes, TuneIn Radio, Spotify, Stitcher, Player FM, Blueberry. We're on Amazon Music. We're on iHeartRadio. And you can watch these videos on YouTube. The Tell Me Your Story channel, Richard Dugan, is who you're looking for. Uh, There is another channel called Tell Me Your Story, but that's not me. So look for the guy with the hat and the beard, okay? Unless this other person decides to grow a beard and wear a hat, I don't think he will. But nonetheless, I hope that you will subscribe. And I have to tell you, folks... We have finally hit a major, major milestone in our podcast listening. Been podcasting and posting on SoundCloud since January 1, 2018. We just hit 50,000 listens. 50,000. Now, that's since then. I, I, it's a lot of listen. So thank you, thank you, thank you for listening and sharing Tell Me Your Story with uh, with others. And we're hoping that our video casts will be as as successful. We're talking with uh, Carmel Nyland, all the way from Australia. We're talking, of course, about her uh, work uh, on uh, DNA, specifically your spiritual DNA. I need to ask you in reference to this, this aspect that we've just been talking about in regards to Judas, but I want to carry this another step further. There's a story in the Bible that talks about one of the archangels by the name of Lucifer, son of the morning. Mm -hmm. 
All right. Now, I've been watching uh, a a program. I think it's on Netflix. It's called Lucifer. Mm -hmm. And and it takes place in modern – in our modern day. Uh, And here is the devil, Lucifer, taking on physical form. He doesn't have horns, uh, you know, and a pitchfork. He looks just like you and me. And as the program progresses, I start thinking almost the same things of Lucifer – who was an archangel, or is, as I think of Judas. That if it hadn't, if 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 Lucifer had not said, I want to exercise free will, I want to do my own thing, I want to go over here and do this, and God apparently casts him out and says, nah, you're not going to do that. And I'm, And I tend to sort of agree with this program that he was set up. You know, and it's like, wait a minute, this, this a lot of these stories start as as time goes on, they seem like they start to fall apart. Well, let's take it from a different point of view. Please. In, in the Gospels, um, Lucifer spent 40 days and 40 nights with Yeshua ben Joseph, whom we know as Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. And... Um, Jesus didn't get a lot to eat or drink during this time because, and he confronted the negative aspects of himself mm-hmm. as he debated with him. And this uh, was extremely tempestuous experience for him. But in the end of the 40 days and the 40 nights, Lucifer bowed to Jesus and said, Thank you. And Jesus said, I love you. And then he was pretty much prepared to go out and select his own apostles and start his own training. Hmm. Now, why would God the Father have given, and God the Mother, given uh, Jesus that particular experience? Why would they have battled for 40 days and 40 nights? So I believe that Lucifer had a lot to teach him. Well, one of the other aspects of it, too, is um, that uh, we, we tend to, as human beings, anthropomorphize these spiritual aspects that we're taught. Uh, most people, you know, you see the pictures uh, especially of God the Father. Uh, we don't know what God the Father looks like, but there have been pictures of this man with a white beard, you know, and maybe a staff that he carries around, uh, and people think that it's a, a, a literal person. Uh, and, well, and and I find that that's really, uh, a, a really very interesting. Well, I think we're challenging it now. But yeah. Let's go back to Michelangelo. Yes, please. Michelangelo was a very interesting being. He's the only being in our memory, for example, something like three, 5,000 years, who was a human and an angel at the same time. So Michael, the archangel, and El Mariah, who is the key energy, the same energy as Peter, combined to create this person. 
And why? Because it was such a mammoth job that they needed the help of an angel to actually paint the Sistine Chapel. It's a phenomenal, almost, it's a phenomenal experience if you've ever seen it. Mm. So I think archangels are used in a variety of ways. We've talked about two aspects of them. And when Michelangelo captured his idea of who God was, he captured him as a male. It doesn't mean that God's a male. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a he, she. Yeah. It's both energies combined. Hmm. It's very interesting to, to, to have conversations about these things. And, and I, I, I will say at this particular juncture, as I do quite often, that uh, I am not saying I'm right I am just saying that these are my musings, just as the author Kazantzakis, who wrote The Last Temptation of Christ, for which the movie was made, if Mm -hmm. anybody was ever to pick up a copy of his book, which none of the Christians that I was associated with in the 80s and early 90s would ever want to do, because I'm not going to pick up the blast from his book, if you had read the premise, Kazantzakis, I paraphrase, basically said... These are just my musings. I am just, uh, you know, what if, uh, what if uh, Jesus didn't die on the cross? And, uh, and you know, I know that's Italian and he was Russian. But anyway, but just like, that's it. They're, we're just asking questions. We're just considering possibilities. I'm not saying any of this is true or false. I'm just saying my brain... Uh, the, the answers I was given to the questions that I would ask of Christians when I was working for a Christian station back in the 80s and 90s, the answers didn't make any sense to me. They, they made no logical sense. And I kept thinking about that Old Testament passage that says, let us sit and reason together. Well, how do you do that? You use your brain, that which God gave you, to reason Um, You know, I just, I, I, you know, I find that uh, (laughs) I I just find it fascinating that people are not willing to do that, especially today. They will be given some information and for some reason they just automatically believe that it's true. Oh, I never have. It's not to say that I'm a cynic, but I'm curious. Can I just put it this way? If you've got to communicate with a three-year-old, you talk three-year-old language. Mm Mm-hmm. If you're going to communicate with a group of people wandering in deserts mm. who all have different opinions of it, who are highly uneducated, what kind of stories do you tell them? You tell them stories of awe and wonder. Yeah. You create beings who are bigger and bigger than life. And that's not to say that Moses wasn't a bigger-than-life creature. He was an aspect of Hilarion, by the way, the Mm -hmm. founding energy of your nation. But he was was strong, um, but the communicator was Saint Germain. He was his brother. And together you get a a better picture of things. Now, if... If the same thing had happened tomorrow, what kind of people would be creating the stories? The people who would be creating the stories, and I don't mean this from an arrogant sense, but they'd be people like you and me. 
yeah. educated, articulate, experienced in the world mm. on a radio program. Yeah. You know, one of the most fascinating interviews I've ever had, and I've had a number of them, has have been with rabbis. And yes. one of the rabbis that I conversed with told me, especially, and you, and you used the phrase that he used uh, to describe, quote unquote, the devil or Satan. He says that if you really read into the Old Testament and the Torah, there is no literal physical Satan or devil. He said that in the Jewish tradition, that is the lowest base nature of man. Just as you spoke of with Jesus dealing with his lower base nature with, uh, with Lucifer questioning him and challenging him and all of this. And uh, that just makes, that makes more sense to me than mm-hmm. this other creature on the outside because what happens, and this is what I found that happened over and over again, was that if good things happened to Christians, oh, praise God, God t- did all of this. If bad things happened to them, it was the devil's fault, which meant mm-hmm. that they didn't have to take any responsibility whatsoever. It's kind of like Flip Wilson, uh, going back to the 70s and 80s, used to say, yeah. the devil made me do it. That's right. But where is your responsibility? It's the and this is the old phrase that always came up uh, that I always came up with. You're either responsible or you're not. You're either pregnant or you're not. Okay, <laughs> you can't be a little pregnant. You can't be a little responsible. Uh, and uh, so that's kind of where I was coming from. This is Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World. I am here with Carmel Nyland, all the way from Sydney, Australia, and we are talking about her work and her book, Your Spiritual DNA, and yourspiritualdna.com.au is the website. We will be linked to that website so that you, the listeners and the viewers, can find out more about the work that she is doing, and I hope that you will do that. As we continue here on Tell Me Your Story, I'm Richard Dugan, your host, and uh, uh, we are talking about, um, I, I, these are the kinds of conversations that I love, but I want to get to some of the other works that you, now you've already mentioned you've got two books that, that you've talked about thus far. One is, of course, uh, Your Spiritual DNA. The other, of course, you, you wrote about Judas, Okay. What are some of the other uh, studies and or research that you have done that may be in book form these days that people can find out about for, through your website that, uh, that you want people to know about that have been of, of interest and have intrigued you? Well, I was intrigued um, with who everybody was and what, how they were connected. And I was, and, and like you, I've got an Irish Catholic name, Carmel Nyland, and prior to that. Um, so I was brought up literally in a convent. And, oh, wow. I, and I needed to know all of the answers to the questions I had. And I found the nuns rather limited in some of the ways that they expressed that. So as I went on my journey, I kept seeking a person who could be that pure and that um, educated and that uh, humble 
that they could channel Jesus himself because I want to talk to the boss. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, why not? Why not? So I um, wanted to talk to him, but he wanted to talk to me because one of the jobs I've had lifetime after lifetime after lifetime is writing the stories of the great ones. Um, for example, uh, the Luke writing one of the Gospels. So I had a chance to do that and he said, well, I'm here to serve you, but I want you to do something for me. As one of our official biographers, I want you to rewrite the book of Joseph. Because he was, this is not Saint Joseph, this is Joseph of the multicoloured coat. He said, I didn't wear a coat. He said, I wore a cloak. That coat hadn't been invented yet. (laughs) And that's literally how it began. He wanted to tell me his story and he wanted to particularly tell me the story about his relationship with the Pharaoh. Hmm. And that will knock your socks off because... He was a slave. The pharaoh was the richest and the most beautiful person around. Mm-hmm. And, and the pharaoh fell in love with Joseph. So because a homosexual relationship couldn't be described in the Bible because the people wouldn't accept it, mm. that bit was eliminated. And this bit was this bit he wants to... to and why does he want this bit out? He wants it out so that the technical details as to how to find his grave will provide the truth of what he has said. Mm. You know, uh, there are a couple of books that I, I have, have in my possession. One of them I purchased some years ago. I lost the original copy of it, and it was in that real thin onion paper like a lot of Bibles are made of. Uh, And the book was uh, written by a gentleman, a a Catholic priest, who channeled this information. His name was Mm -hmm. Johannes Graeber, Communication with the Spirit World of God. And Mm -hmm. the channel was really hard on the Catholic Church. <laughs> he had a real hard time with that. I remember giving the book to my mother. And at the time, she was still a very much, uh, very much a Catholic, a practicing Catholic, and did not care much for the book at the time. I also had another book that was sent to me, a little oversized book, and the author also channeled uh, Paul, the Apostle. Uh, yes. And... Basically, he uh, the, the book that he channeled, that was channeled through him, was an explanation of, of the epistles that he had originally written or uh, that were attributed to him. Now, I personally say that if, if the people of that day had gotten it with the Gospels and the Book of Acts, there wouldn't be needing – they wouldn't need any more letters they wouldn't need any more explanation because that's all the letters are. They're explanations because people are complaining. Well, this people, these people over here doing this and these people over here doing this. And I don't understand. You said the da, 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 da. And uh, <laughs> uh, so he had that book. 
And and it it was so fascinating to talk with these people, uh, to talk with this gentleman who had channeled Paul uh, of Arimathea, uh, Paul the Apostle, uh, and uh, of course his whole business of his uh, uh, experience on the road to Damascus, uh, Damascus, and so forth. Um, and again, it's like you were Paul, just. Paul is a reincarnation of Moses. Oh, really? So he has a long history mm. of with God. And he, uh, as Paul, was there to speak, translate Jesus' commentary, which was in a different language and of a different culture, and make it available to the Gentile culture. Mm. And I have to say that he's an aspect of Hilarion and I think it's one of the tougher aspects of Hilarion that ever lived because he was such, he was so much um, disliking of women. He was so sexist. Yeah. <laughs> he, was, he turned me off completely. Oh. <laughs> and one day I was fortunate enough to talk to him in the channeling and I said, well, <laughs> I didn't think much of you. I felt you were a sexist pig. And he was very confronted. He said, is that why you came to work for me, is it? <laughs> and I, I was a man of my time. Mm. And other people can perhaps translate the things that I said. My heart was in the right place. Yeah. But, but my culture was such and what was needed was a way, a different way of taking the world into the modern world, which happened, you know, around the year zero, the, the time before that being BC and the time after it being AD, mm -hmm. and he was to help the leap through to the AD. And he was tough and uh, he ended up crucified too. Mm. You know, he didn't have, didn't have an easy life. Yeah. Carmel Nyland is my guest. Her, the latest work that she has that we we have been promoting here is uh, Your Spiritual DNA. I'm Richard Dugan. This is Tell Me Your Story. You know, we provide you with, um, well, um, we provide you with choices and knowledge of those choices to help make your dreams come true. Uh, some programs uh, have a little bit more information in that regard than others. But in general, what we're trying to do is spark conversation. We're not saying we have all of the answers uh, or even the right answers. We just have answers that work for us today. They serve us. And tomorrow we may come up with some new ones only because we're in the process of evolving. We're growing. We're changing. Isn't that why we go to formal education? You don't start out in first grade to doing nuclear physics. you got to work your way up to that if that's what you want to do. And that's kind of where we are with, uh, say, physics and quantum physics and spirituality, maybe quantum spirituality. I don't know. My guest is Carmel Nyland. Uh, and uh, I find all of this just so intriguing. One of the things that I want to talk about, because I want to shift gears just a little bit, I want to talk about the women. Mary yes. Magdalene, this fascinating woman who... Um, has been written about, and one of my uh, one of my guests on this program has written a book specifically geared from her, if you will. I remember Union is the title of the book that she wrote, and um, one of the things that I've often 
been curious about, and maybe you can shed a little more light on this. The first pope, if there hadn't been the uh, patriarchy <laughs> in those days, should have been Mary Magdalene because she was the first person, person, to recognize who Jesus was following his resurrection. And I still, I say this uh, humorously, uh, she wanted to reach out and touch his cloak. He said, no, 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 no. And I say, the reason he said that is because the paint wasn't dry yet. But be that as it may, when the men came along, basically, hey, buddy, uh, can you tell us where the nearest uh, uh, saloon is? We need to drown our sorrows. Our buddy just died. They didn't know who he was. Not a clue. And yet one of them uh, got to lead what became the universal church. Um, And yet women over the centuries have played a significant roles mm-hmm. in the spiritual growth of humanity. I'm going to do it in that broad sense, the spiritual growth of humanity. Well, let me say a few things about Mary Magdalene. Mary Magdalene and Yeshua ben Joseph had a, a passionate uh, relationship. He regarded her as his equal So think about that. Mm -hmm. Uh, They had three children together. He left her twice to go back to Tibet. He walked. He didn't fly. He walked (laughs) twice. Came back. Um, They had their kids. Now, her, her purpose was to speak directly to women through her living in France and leave her her position on the world. She was a highly enlightened woman. Let me give you some aspects of Mary Magdalene who you've been around. Um, You've recently had a woman on the high court called Ruth Bader. Mm -hmm. Yes, Ruth Bader Bader Ginsburg, yes. Recently died. Yes. Little little woman. Now that is a direct, um, she was Mary Mary the Magdalene. Now let's look at her in another form. She was also Jane Austen, the writer of of, um, Pride and Prejudice, right? She has taken lives one at least a couple every century of women who have been classic fighters for the rights. My favourite Mary Magdalene life was as um, Golda Meir, the head of Israel. Now, she had balls, and there's no doubt about it, you would say that of almost every Mary Magdalene's, but other times she comes in as an exquisite beauty, the kind of, you know, knock your socks off kind of beauty. Mm-hmm. And not only is she beautiful, she's intelligent as well. And then other times she comes in almost as one of the ugliest women we've ever seen, <laughs> and takes Israel by the throat, gives it a good shake and puts it all back puts all the pieces back together again. So when the book that I'm currently writing, which is on Mary Magdalene, 
uh, comes out, I hope that will give a far more um, nuanced and accurate picture of this woman whom Jesus himself chose to be his wife. Hmm. So I think that's that says it all. You know, and and I realize that there are going to be people listening to this uh, this interview, this conversation that you and I are having, and they're going to have a real problem with it. And I understand that. I can appreciate that. Okay. So, given your Irish background, I presume you were brought up a Catholic. Like oh me. yes, Irish uh, Irish Catholic. I was brought up in the Western Rite. I was also exposed to the Eastern Rite of the Catholic Church, the Byzantine Rite. Uh, mm-hmm. In my first marriage, which was a wonderful experience, and I appreciated the honesty of the priests. One in particular, uh, uh, Father Nanko. He was actually the Monsignor of, uh, of the Phoenix uh, Church in North Phoenix. At the time, it was North Phoenix. I don't know where North Phoenix is now. In any event... Uh, and he came over to our house in the spring. They usually do the house blessing, right? And I asked him a very serious question. I says, why is it... In your opinion, why is it that um, of all of the crucifixes, none of them show Jesus naked? And yet the history shows that the final indignation, the final shame, if you will, was that they were stripped naked of whatever Mm -hmm. loincloth they had. And he he was very honest about it. He says, well, because we don't want to upset the sensibilities of the people. And what came flying into my mind at that moment was, well, wait a minute. I thought you were supposed to know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Unless, of course, it upsets the sensibilities of the people. You know? and, and, but I was grateful for his, his forthrightness, his honesty in that regard. I wish more people, uh, more, more people within these hierarchical institutions could be that way but it's it's hard to do because you start bucking against the system and you could get thrown out of the system and you're right. now on your own that's right yeah so i i loved a couple of the stories that yeshua has told me about his crucifixion um the one i liked the best was when he finally comes back to life um he doesn't come back in the kind of way that has been shown in our pictures. It mm-hmm. takes a lot longer than three days. Right. When he comes back, he's unable to walk because he's been because his feet have been nailed to a cross. And I heard his legs were broken. I don't know that that's in the book in the Bible, but I'd heard something along those lines. Yes, yes. He he was a cripple when he came when yeah. he came back to life, and his mum's there. Says, that's Mary, mm-hmm. the mother, not Mary the Magdalene. Right. Says, well, we've got to get you around here somewhere. So she goes into Joseph of Arimathea's place, where, whose tomb he was using, and she says, she puts him in a wheelbarrow and wheels him out. And I said, well, this is rather different from the kind of, glorious resurrection that I've heard about. And he said, listen, I couldn't work. I had every bone in my body, was, uh, every bone in my feet was broken. Mm-hmm. I could not walk. 
And I thought, oh, thank God that the women were there to sort him out and to get him off of there because he was still yeah. concerned that uh, the guards would come and find him. Yeah. So I think there are alternative ways of describing some of the things we heard in the Gospels. And when you hear them, they make sense. Yeah. One of the other aspects um, that I'll just touch upon real quickly here uh, is according to the Gospels, the reason why Mary and Joseph were going to Bethlehem in the first place Mm -hmm. was to participate in the census. Now, here in America, we just completed that process last year, 2020. Uh, Successful or otherwise, right or wrong, we supposedly completed that. But that was the reason that they were going. However, I don't read any place in the the, uh, Gospels that speaks to the fact that they were in Bethlehem and that they were counted, that their names were written down uh, in the rolls, i.e. that there would be evidence at the time of Jesus' birth that he actually existed. I did a research. I did some research, and and and, and I wanted to know if there was any <clears throat> historical evidence of his existence outside of the scriptures. And supposedly, there's only one place where he's mentioned by uh, some other saint, who a gentleman who was a saint, uh, and that was about it. Whereas, if they'd had, if they had the uh, the census papers or parchments, yes. then Joseph and Mary, Joseph uh, and, and, and Mary would have been there along with their son, Jesus. And their other children. And I believe, wasn't James also a son, a brother? Yes. yes. James was the eldest of, uh, James was the eldest, and there was, this, it was altogether about six children, and he was about the fourth. Wow. That I did not know. And I know what that's like. I grew up in a family of six myself. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. What do you expect of Irish Catholics? Well, exactly right. You know, be fruitful and multiply, and boy, did we. One of the things that caused me the, the biggest joke he cracked with me, he says, he said, um, what I don't like about the Gospels, and it's quite a few things he doesn't like about them. He said, he said, my mother was made a virgin. She had six kids. She became a virgin. He said the, the rewriting of the story, which happens around the time of Constantine in about the 3rd century, mm-hmm. was something that annoyed him greatly because he had been the, the messy bits of his life like how does he how do you walk away from a grave when you can't walk? Yeah, um, these kind of bits have been airbrushed out. Other children have been airbrushed out. His mother has been made a virgin, and she was not a virgin. Mm. <laughs> she was quite a prolific woman. Um, well, lots of, and they're the kinds of things that we who've been educated have visited Jerusalem, have done great study, 
ask ourselves this and just say, why are we, why are we expected to believe some of these things? Yeah. And I, I am always, um, I, I am always in awe, and in, so in a good way, being born and raised Catholic, I love the ritual, the traditions, mm-hmm. and yes. the ceremony. That do I. Uh, even in the Byzantine rite, in spite of the fact that when the cantor would, or the uh, when uh, the priest or the the altar boy would would <laughs> walk down the aisle with the little um, uh, container of incense, and he'd be waving it around in the church there, and it it was strong in the Catholic Church in the Byzantine rite, it was really strong. Uh, and this was a small church, and they didn't have air conditioning in there. And there was a one February when it was very warm, almost passed out. Never experienced passing out, but I really wanted to uh, because it was warm. And then you had the incense, and oh my goodness! But um, I've always had a a, a very I, I will just say it a very warm spot in my heart for the church as I experienced it, both as a child as well as uh, in my 20s and early 30s with my first wife, the Byzantine Rite. And uh, uh, I I never left the church. I just stopped practicing because I got it right and I could move on. Um, but I was curious about other things. Mm-hmm. But I never turned my back. And my mother did something really astounding to me and maybe for me that I've asked her about since. I was 16, 17 years old. I was delivering newspapers on a Sunday morning and I'd come home and I'd go back to bed. And the last thing I wanted to do, uh, getting back to bed around six or seven in the morning was get up at nine 30 to get ready to go to church at 10. And so one morning I says, I really don't want to go. And she says, okay, that's fine. And I didn't have to go. So years later, I asked her, why, why did you do that? She says, because I didn't want you to push away or pull away from the church, which I never did. Uh, mm-hmm. And so I have a great deal of respect for my mother and the wisdom that she showed towards me. And mm-hmm. that's one of the reasons why. I mean, uh, I became a Baha'i for a year and a half in the 90s. Mm-hmm. I have followed um, a lot of the teachings of Paramahansa Yogananda. I have been very curious about the the Muslim faith uh, and what yes. Muhammad teaches. That's another thing. A lot of people they don't they don't know what the Quran says. There's a passage in the Quran that says to his own people he says protect the people of the book. Yes. And at that time, the only people of the book there were, for the most part, were the Jews who had the Torah, which were scrolls, but they were still books, and the Christians. You know, mm-hmm. who had copies here and there scattered because they were only being handwritten uh, by the scribes. Uh, and, and I thought, he's telling the his own followers, protect the people of the book. Mm-hmm. And here we are today, and that protection is all but all but lost. And mm-hmm. that's just one aspect. But uh, and Mary is referenced in the Quran. So mm-hmm. it's it's uh, it's it's very interesting how these different I like to call them philosophies, uh, Carmel. Are um, are intertwined, they're inseparable, and no philosophy springs up out of a vacuum. It mm-hmm. always comes from another source, another uh, a, a beginning, if you will. Yes. We're talking with uh, Carmel Nyland all the way from Australia. I'm Richard Dugan. This is Tell Me Your Story. 
We're giving you choices and knowledge of those choices to help make your dreams come true. Folks, it is late where I am, but that's okay. I am having a great time talking with Carmel Nyland from Australia, Sydney, Australia, to be exact. And what I find so fascinating when I look at a map of Australia, uh, which is about the size of the United States, the contiguous United States, um, I don't see a lot of green in the middle, which is really unfortunate. But... But that's okay. I would guess that it's still a beautiful country to you, especially along the coastlines. Um, Around the coastlines, yes. In the mountains, yes. Um, You can come across very verdant parts of Australia. But it's a dry country. And it was continuously inhabited by Aboriginal people for 40,000 years. Yeah. And they have memories of it being a very verdant place, uh, but for a variety of reasons, which had nothing to do with the mistreatment of the land. Um, it, it dried up and uh, we've got wonderful stories from them about it too. You know, that is something else that we here in the States we don't take advantage of. And, uh, of course, there is that level of animosity um, uh, towards uh, non-Indigenous peoples, Uh, even though I suppose I could say, oh, I'm Indigenous because I was born and raised in the United States. But I'm referring to those ancient tribes, if you will, uh, that have existed here in Central and South America that we could learn so much from. Exactly. Yes. We, you know, I mean, you know, some people, they, they, they wonder, when's it going to rain? When's it going to rain? Well, guess what? The indigenous peoples know exactly when it's going to rain because they can read the sky. They mm-hmm. know the signs. Mm-hmm. And they can teach us the signs as well. And I was mm-hmm. blessed by one uh, Chumash Indian here on the Central Coast who told me that I was a member of, along with many other people who've, who live here, I am a member of the new Chumash Indians. And I thought, wow, that's pretty cool. And of course, now that I know that I have that Native American blood in me, uh, I feel much better about being interested in looking into the Native American uh, medicine and rituals and just all that reconnects us with Mother Earth and with nature. Can I just put this in a different way? Yes, please. I believe that what he was saying to you was a compliment, but he, 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 he put it together in a particular way. What he was saying to you is, I am meeting a reincarnation of a Tumas Indian. That's you, Richard. Oh. That's what he was saying. So the things that you're interested in now are the reverberations and the energies that are coming from the past life experiences that you've had. Well. And you're accepting of them. And I, I am truly, and I'm, I'm being exposed as I move forward. And, and the thing that I, the thing that I love about this process that I am going through and many others is I begin the process of, I'll call it, you know, waking up, becoming more aware, um, raising my consciousness, if you will, is that as I do that, 
and I can sense and I'm aware of the changes that, I, that I'm going through, both physically but mentally as well as emotionally and spiritually, that the people around me, uh, they take on a different, I will say, hue. They will take on a different sort of persona. And some of them will drift away and some of them will come closer. Mm-hmm. And I like that. I like that the thought of that. But even more so, I like the thought of that process of growth, of evolution within mm-hmm. myself. Mm-hmm. Well, it's been a pleasure talking to you. We got a bit off the topic, but that's good because it was really interesting hearing what you had to say. And we went we've we've covered a lot of ground. Mm. I love love to remain in contact, particularly when f- future books come out. Absolutely, please let's do that. Uh, I will be sending you uh, information about our video casts, our podcasts, as well as the radio broadcasts, and and uh, you'll be able to tap into those as well. Um, I want to ask you three final questions before I let you go that I ask all of my guests. Yes. And I may have, you may have answered them during the program, but uh, I'm going to ask them anyway because I'd like to ask them directly. But first, I want to remind our listeners and viewers that these programs are heard Sundays at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m. Pacific Time, 1 a.m. Monday morning, and 9 a.m. on Wednesdays. It's a special edition of Tell Me Your Story. We have podcasts on SoundCloud, iTunes, TuneIn Radio, Spotify, Stitcher, Player FM, Blueberry, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, many other locations that uh, you folks are even reposting our podcasts to. And I thank you for doing that. And I hope you'll subscribe to the podcasts. We're also on YouTube where you can watch these interviews. I hope that you'll do that. And uh, thank you so much for bringing our numbers up to 50,000 listens on uh, SoundCloud and through all of the outlets, uh, the other platforms that are connected. We also hope that if you can and you can support our work uh, financially, we would greatly appreciate it. That's why we have a PayPal account. It's for your security as well as ours. And uh, any amount is gratefully appreciated and accepted. Uh, And all you have to do when you go to PayPal and you want to send us a contribution, they'll ask for an email address. Richard at RichardDugan.com. Richard at RichardDugan.com. That's the email address. And also participate in... The Decade of Perfect Vision, the 2020s. We're asking you to spend time going within, being still, and that quiet, calm, peaceful space of your closet, if you will, your inner life, and listen to that still, small voice. As I've said before, your still, small voice will never put you in harm's way. It will challenge you. I've been challenged. And always come out the other side feeling pretty darn good that I listened and followed the promptings. Uh, So please take the time to do that. And with that, we now go to the final three questions of our program here on Tell Me Your Story. I feel like I'm doing a game show now. The final three questions are, number one, who is Carmel Nyland? Carmel Nyland is the eldest of seven children. Carmel Nyland has been brought up an Irish Catholic 
Pamela Narland is married to John Narland, who has been uh, active in education, including being vice chancellor. The equivalent in America is is president uh, is president of bodies. I was fortunate enough to come to the United States to be educated at the University of Illinois, so I'm an alumni of that, and I taught school in upstate New York in Ithaca. My son, Adam, my first son, is an American citizen, and we're very pleased with that. Hmm. Um, He wanted to stay a while and he thought he could add to this, (laughs) add add to this. I have uh, run government departments. I have um, written books and I am now retired and doing the kinds of things I really want to do, which is trying to express a different viewpoint of the world Mm. that's come from the education I've had, spiritual education and my scholarly education as well. Mm. What is it that you hope to or want to achieve through the work that you are doing now? What I hope to achieve is that people open their minds to different perspectives. We were created as perfect beings, regardless of our colour, regardless of our language, regardless of our gender. We were created as perfect beings. And by exploring both our physical DNA and our spiritual DNA, we come to the concept that we are recreating the concept of what it is to be a human. Mm. And finally, what is your life's purpose? Okay, now that's a very interesting question. I told you how I was a reincarnation of the St. Luke and my, my life's purpose is to retell stories that have been previously written and give them new, layer, new layers to them, give them different perspectives um, turn some of them on their head, but kind of reinterpret some of the truths, the ancient truths that we've been taught or that we've explored ourselves. So um, somebody had to have a job of contributing to some of the great books and I have been privileged through my many lives, to be, to have sat at the feet of great people and been able to tell their story. Well, I thank you for sharing your story and the work that you are doing, especially through your spiritual DNA, the latest work uh, of of you, Carmel Nyland. And uh, I thank you so much for joining us here on the program. Thank you, Richard. It's been a pleasure talking to you. And I thank you 
for listening to and watching Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World, as we're giving you choices, and knowledge of those choices to help make your dreams come true, and until our next broadcast, podcast, videocast, love to lol.